Welcome to the welcome to the Alien Probe podcast. This is Doug, and I have Brandon here today. He'll be discussing the um, aquatic aquatic ape theory, and also as it applies loosely to the uh, mermaids, the body found um, Animal Planet 2012 uh, uh, mockumentary. I think it is. Here you go, Brandon. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? Awesome, awesome. What you got for me? Okay, so this documentary basically discussed the idea of how mermaids can actually exist. It's not just like a thing that has been formed over like pop culture over the time. Specifically, like a good example of this is um, The Little Mermaid, where uh, it's like you look at that and you're like, that's that can't be real. That's not something that's real. It's like, you know, they're like magical beings underwater that have, you know, they look like people, they have like long, beautiful hair, and you know, they look you know, they look like attractive people, but like in stories in the past, mermaids have been described as beautiful women who lure sailors right. into right. their into their traps and kind of like sink their ships and stuff. Right. But just depending on what genre of media like contains mermaids will just depend on what they look like. If it's something for kids, they're going to be a little bit more cartoony and a little bit more like not scary. But if it's, you know, a horror genre or something that's meant to be a little bit more realistic, they're going to look different. And in terms of this mockumentary, they wanted to make these mermaids look as realistic to nature as possible because uh, you can't obviously see an image of what they look like, but you can probably look it up on your own time, uh, this documentary. It's a very interesting documentary, for sure. I recommend you check it out. Yeah, we, but, watched, we watched it together way back in 2000. It, it really piqued yeah. our interest, and then I ran across the, um, the aquatic ape theory also, which I know you're going to be talking about. But right. Yeah. Yeah, so basically the aquatic ape theory goes about the fact that there is a separate branch of the human like family tree or like evolutionary bloodline that these uh, these Neanderthals or apes went towards the water. But we kind of went more into the land, we kind of went farther in. Because evolution obviously came from the ocean, things evolved. They, you know, crawled out of the ocean and became whatever, you know, just branched out into different things just depending on the environment. So we basically went into the forest and these groups of apes went back. So we crawled back, basically crawled back in. Yeah. So it's like these creatures that came out of the ocean evolved and adapted to land, went back, and then they changed just beyond that and basically became what is known as mermaids. And we have creatures on the planet that resemble what we see as kind of like a mermaid. Like if you look at dolphins, like there's there's a possibility that maybe these aquatic apes evolved into dolphins. But you know, there's obviously more scientific evidence that shows that that's not true and they came from specific other types of creatures like whales have these vestigial organs that basically show like leg bones. Right. They have like around the what would be the legs of a whale if they had one. But well, they just evolved from 
Uh, whales evolved from these like, rodent-like creatures that basically went into the ocean. But in terms of the, the apes, they kind of adapted more towards an aquatic lifestyle, and we don't really see anything underwater that has hair, and obviously when we think of apes, we think of very hairy creatures. But So these creatures basically adapted a complete underwater lifestyle. They ate fish, and they basically kind of evolved in the same way as like a shark would, so they like their teeth became sharper, because some of these fish, especially if they evolved in more of like a prehistoric time, a lot of the fish were armored back then. So they probably needed to adapt and evolve to be able to consume these types of fish and rely on a diet you know, that's completely underwater. And it, it, it should be important to note that even as babies, we hold our breath. We get near water. We get water splashed in our face. You can see a baby hold its breath. I think it's important to note at this time, do not put your baby in the water. No. You know, um, but a baby will. You, you've seen the videos of babies swimming in swimming pools at very, very young age, which I think swimming at a very young age is, is, is an extremely important um, thing for children to know. Um, but the layers, of, you know, the fat layer, in going into the water, the fat layers um, need to be a little little thicker, you know, to accept the, because uh, the water was cold, I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't, yes. you know, warm. So, and even inside the womb, you're in water. So, saline environment, salt water. Um, so, it, it does stand to reason that this, you know, this very well could be something. Yeah, because, um, like, babies can fully just swim underwater. Yep. And, like, at a very young age, and I think that has to do with kind of, like, in um, a bloodline and, like, a genetics sort of thing where, you know, human babies now, when they're, you know, they're in the womb, they're in water, and they can swim basically, like, right out of the womb. Like, you could be birthed into a pool and just start swimming. And I think that has to do with the capability of us as a species to be able to adapt to that water lifestyle that just shows that we have that we can adapt and we have the capability to do that i think that's very interesting when you see when you just see like a newborn child able to yep. swim right off the bat and also we have gills yeah for a short amount of time during the cretaceous yeah no 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 i'm thinking of the when you're oh when you're born when you're in the womb yeah, there's a time when you're in the womb. I couldn't think of the the word. Um, where you have gills? We have gills in the womb. I had no idea. I thought we just kind of were in there and we were breathing. It's because you know it's water. It's yeah. Water, and then over time, you kind of as you cool. grow and adapt. Okay, so let's talk about the um, mermaids. The body. Found. Body found. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you think? Uh, what well, Talk about the, uh, the the mockumentary a little yeah. bit here. Well, yeah, keyword being mockumentary because it was it's a documentary about a very real thing, but they kind of showed some fictitious story, not yeah. stories really. They were real stories being told in a fictitious manner. Yeah. And they have a doctor on there who they don't even Animal Planet doesn't, and I don't want to. We are talking about something that we're not. It's like a UFO, or it's like an alien we haven't i mean people say they found them we've seen pictures and um but there's really been no 
real stories. There's P.T. Barnum mermaid that was pieced together with some fish parts. Uh, yeah, it was like that bottom part of a fish, top part of just Yeah, that kind of thing. But in this series, it was very much, it didn't, it's very much science fiction. They, and Animal Planet didn't really even state that it would, they, they presented it as a, a real situation, a real uh, uh, thing that was happening um, in the ocean. And that's how I took it when it took a long time because I'm not very smart. It took a while for me to figure out, you know, they, they, they caught one in the net and they filmed it like it was, oh, you know, real. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, there was, there was one and they, they washed up on the beach. You know? Oh, and it was the two kids. They walked they yeah. up and then all of a sudden, yeah. they kind of, it just, the way they went about that specific video, I don't, that very much wasn't real, but I think that was probably just a dramatization. Yeah. So they went on with the story, and um, a lot of the a lot of the story is built around this Noah scientist who's an actor, basically. And then so at the end, you finally hear that it finally is indicated. I think I haven't gone back to the video, but I think very small print that it's not real. Um, but um, I've got a friend who works for the DoD. A branch of the DOD, and I talked to him about this because I talked about it when we first saw it. I said, "Is this thing real?" Because he works a lot in the ocean, and he works with the government, and he's not going to tell me any secrets, right? But you know, and he said basically it's um, tree huggers that are tired of the sonar testing um, destroying the whales, and it was just another way for. Um, it was just another way for to, to go about bringing this problem uh, to the service because in this in the mockumentary documentary um, they're indicating that these sonar problems correct right are, are killing these mermaids and that's why you know all of a sudden they've manifested themselves because the ships are doing sonar testing in the Pacific Ocean I believe. right and then all of a sudden it's killing these things mm-hmm. and they're coming up to the surface and you know, now we're netting them, but there's not a shred, you know, I, I mean, it's just like any alien UFO, Bigfoot. We don't have one. We don't, we don't have one for real. We, but we, there's innumerable amounts of, uh, um, movies that depict what these things could be. And, right. You know, so that's kind of why I, I kind of grabbed hold of the thing because um, as we go through the aquatic ape, ape um, theory, is that possibly these, this could have been a thing, but we just don't have. We even found a. They had a skeleton. I think we sent back and forth a picture of a skeleton on one of these things. Oh, yeah. look, here's a skeleton of one, you know, which of course is probably most likely fake. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, because with the with the whole skeleton thing, it's like British scientists, like or British like archaeologists, like way before. It's like slightly off topic, but it has That's to do fine. with the the bones and stuff. They used to restructure dinosaurs, and they would think that this is what they look like. This is what they were. Because you can't prove that, right? You really can't say, oh, this is you know you because we don't know what these dinosaurs. We still don't know what these dinosaurs look like. Yeah, like to this day, and because you could easily just make a humanoid or like piece together like a humanoid skeleton 
right. also something that's like a bigger fish to like match the proportions to this human, to the humanoid skeleton, and easily say, this is what a mermaid skeleton looks like. This is a mermaid. But it's like, we don't know. Well, we don't know, and we don't have a shred of proof. And I mean, it feels like even less than we know about. We don't really know a whole lot about UFOs and aliens. We just are surmising and seeing things, which we'll, we'll talk about some sightings and things later. But um, basically, you know, this the mockumentary and the, the um, aquatic ape theory, I think, kind of went hand in hand. I mean, we were talking about... Um, the body found, mermaids of body found, and then it kind of stitched the whole thing together to me, you know. So, you know, basically that's, uh, that's what we have about that. You have anything else on that? I think that, uh, with the whole, the sonar testing Mm -hmm. and how they said that we have found, I would say, oh, you know, the netting again. Right, right. Maybe we finally captured one. But it's like, I think with, um, because of these creatures, like, being highly intelligent is what we believe, that they're able to escape our kind of, our, our sights, right. observation. So I think this, the sonar testing may actually affect them in a way, because, again, we only have 5% of our oceans explored. And I don't think these mermaids are going to want to be in waters that humans, you know, yeah, like you're not going to, you know, swim in like a lagoon and find a mermaid. Like, right. They're deep. They're probably deep in an area that we'd never go. Yeah. They probably like, they, they probably witness, they probably like offhand, like witnessed us like destroying sea life and like killing the oceans and with not killing the oceans. But, like with the whole Well, in a sense, we, in a sense, we're trying our best. Yeah. Kill. We're doing better, but we're yeah, not doing a good enough job. They've probably developed a resentment for us because they're highly intelligent creatures that are able to remember, like, these, what these people are doing, what these other beings are doing is hurting our environment. Because in terms of, like, intelligent ocean life, we really have, like, dolphins and stuff because yeah. their intelligence is very close to ours. But these mermaids maybe have, are hidden in the 95% of the oceans that we don't know yet. Yeah, and they're able they're able to develop like See, life in deep ocean. You're seeing you're kind of saying that they could have a civilization deep under the ocean. Well, maybe not like a civilization, but that's just where they reside is very, very yeah. deep in the ocean, and they. Well, maybe they have a cave that goes back way back in an area that we've not explored and we've never been, which could be anywhere. I mean, we're losing entire airliners full of people. Right, um, the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> You know, well, you know, well, that was the Indonesia was kind of the other, you know, in a different area when that the uh, the uh, Indonesian air, I think it was the Indonesian airliner disappeared. Mm-hmm. They never found any of it. I mean, you know, where they're looking and I mean, they gave up. Yeah. But the ocean is so deep in in the area where they, well, it's deep in that entire area over there. Yeah, it's like we don't have the technology or you know. Was it like ability to be able to go down there? Yeah. Because we, we can't. There's no way we can just simply adapt to like deep water lifestyle like maybe these mermaids have. Because cool. we're not going to be down there all the time. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to roll right into a little a couple of uh, MUFON Mutual UFO Network reports for November. These aren't well. A couple of them are 
kind of retro, but um, I like I like to read these. They're kind of I don't want to say entertaining, but it kind of gives you an idea of what's uh, what's being reported out there. And then there's a report, and then Mufon goes in to investigate, and um, you know the military is involved or anything like that. But um, uh, the first one is uh, it was a case in Austin, Texas. Uh, he was a, saw, taking photographs of changing colors and uh, accelerating across the sky. He was zooming off to the. Uh, he was zooming in with a telephoto lens. Um, he used a looks like a light, calm something to darken or lighten the images to get a better look at the hot subject. It moved in a way that was extremely unconventional and at speeds and angles that, in his opinion are impossible. As I was taking pictures of it, I continued to move across the sky, then hover in one place, and then move again, changing direction multiple times and hovering multiple times. It was pulsating different colors. In some points, it looked more round, and other times it looked more uh, tear-shaped um, as it was moving. Some pictures uh, show what uh, appear to be surface lights. There was not a, a human or this was not of human origin in his opinion and was under some type of intelligent control. It was extremely high in the sky, but appeared to be within our atmosphere. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting because, you know, it changed, it'll kind of change to a teardrop shape when it um, actually started moving. One of my own personal theories is UFOs with lights. I'm not quite sure why um, a technology like that needs lights. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think they're worried about running. I mean, maybe they're worried about us running into them, but I think um, pretty much it's, I'm not really thinking that it's going to be uh, something that, you know, you, they would need. So I'm always skeptical of the, you know, oh, it's, it's coming to the ground. It's got the lights all around it. And you know, it's like, yeah, that's probably, you know, you know, maybe something. I mean, this is something we will be discussing in the future. Uh, but, um, you know, the lights are, you know, more or less the uh, propulsion package, possibly. That would be the only thing. So, what right. you got there? Well, I just think for, because we, we talked about this all the time with the, the lights. and Because light, lighting a spacecraft or any sort of, sort of aircraft is within our technology, and the alien technology is way beyond ours, and so I think they would kind of invest, this sounds weird, but like invest their time into developing a sort of camouflage technology rather than I need my triangular shaped ship to be lit at, in this specific shape, and it just seems kind of weird, like I don't think they need to, they don't want, they don't want to be seen. Yeah. They, they definitely do not want to have all these lights. And I think the ex explanation of lights definitely has to do with um, maybe some sort of error within their system and something that, like... Because, you know, when something explodes, it light. You know, it, it lights up. Yeah. When you see an explosion from a distance, you see a little beam of light. So I think when you talk about, like, a pulsating light and it's, like, moving around in all different directions, I think that's probably, we're witnessing maybe an error within the alien technology. Yeah, could be. Yeah. What you got? So I have 
an article about an unlit, odd-shaped boomerang sighted over Tulsa. And uh, is that Oklahoma? Sure. I'm just making a weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. What's good old move I've got to say about that? So this was around, I'm trying to find a date. It's somewhere. It's in November. All these are in November, so it's really, okay. we're just kind of rolling out, rolling out the report. So this man named uh, Dennis was, he set up his telescope to look at uh, the moon and Mars and kind of just, you know, was sitting back and just looking and through looking through binoculars and all of a sudden he spots this very odd shaped boomerang over in the sky basically and so he described it as railroad cars kind of lined together but it was in a very uh it wasn't an even shape so obviously there's no image to be seen here right now yeah well that describes what he's got going but it was triangular not a solid triangle but it was kind of you put boomerang it was kind of like a sharp boomerang shape and did it have lights no it was it uh in the title it says unlit which is this at night is more plausible yes he says about 10 15. so i'm wondering how he saw it if it wasn't lit that is yeah that is very interesting because <laughs> and i'm like i'm trying to see an unlit object at 10 15 at night through telescope binoculars yeah well if it was against if it was a Moonlit night, it might have been. Yeah, because I think he something. said the timing was right because of the the moon. Right. He was because of the bright moon and a good pair of binoculars, he was able to witness this craft. I think that's pretty much it. If, the, if it was like a new moon, right. I doubt he'd be able to see anything. But it just, yeah, it just seems interesting because you know, there with the whole lighting situation that we just discussed, it's, that's more yeah. plausible. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the next one I got is Spinning Sphere sighted over Charlotte, Ooh, North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, when I first observed the object, I thought it might be Saturn. Then I uh, observed a seemingly random movement, but through it could be a trick of the eye. Uh, pointed it out to the girlfriend, Tammy. We watched it a bit and determined it was moving. We were then joined by neighbors, Scott who also observed the same. After about five minutes of motion, it remained stationary. Then low-flying jets coming from the northeast began flying over. Uh, we counted 11, and I heard another after we went back inside. All these appeared to be the same. Uh, they were flying to the southeast, but didn't seem to be on an intercept path flying low. We guessed that they may be military. After 45 minutes, we went back inside to view the videos taken on the television. Um, I was astonished to see what it, what I did. Uh, we went back and saw the object was gone. And that's pretty, uh, pretty typical UFO story. I mean, you, know, you want to see the one where, hey, the thing landed on the ground and I put my hand on it, or I saw something. An alien. They always out. seem to be far away and we're not. You know, able to get, um, you know, we're not able to get uh, right up to it and actually put my hand on it. I'm sure there's right. some in there. Yeah. Um, 
Then we got the giant cigar cited over Massachusetts. Ooh. Um, three witnesses, Matthew, uh, Jula, and Francisco, uh, plus six other adults and four children, uh, saw something that few of us have, a cylinder-shaped craft between three and six football fields long. Um, in the U.S., that would be between about 900 and 1,800 feet or uh, 275 meters and 549 meters. The craft was more or less a classic cigar shape with white lights or observation windows stretching the entire length. Um, the primary witness, Matthew, uh, he provided a drawing. It looks like a cigar with a bunch of holes on the side of it. Claims that the uh, observation lasted two or three minutes. Um, the craft had a dark surface, hovered, changed direction, and turned abruptly. There was no records, or excuse me, there were no sounds or emissions, and the object was uh, approximately um, six degrees above the horizon. At the end of the sighting, the craft departed at hypersonic acceleration, um, five or more times the speed of sound. Um, Shortly after the sighting, an aircraft appeared in the same region. The sighting took place in um, Webster, Massachusetts. Um, so yeah, the cigar. I've always it's always the cigar shaped object. When I see cigar shaped objects, it always seems to me that is that a saucer being viewed from the side and looks right. like a cigar. Um, so you'll hear about a lot of these cigar-shaped object things, right. you know. So that was interesting. Yeah, that seems interesting because it's like multiple people across like the world, pretty much. If they're saying they're seeing the same kind of object, it's interesting. But it also could be just them copying me, like, oh, if yeah. People have said I've seen a cigar-shaped object. This will make it seem more realistic. Little copycat. Exactly. Yep. So another. Interesting case. This one, when I was reading through it, it actually kind of freaked me out. I don't know if this just means my very vivid imagination. <laughs> but, um, this kind of reminds me of the movie uh, Signs, in a way. Oh, real Signs? Yeah. yeah. So, this one, it was basically a report. This was in, uh, back in 1971, there was a, uh, an original incident where it was, I'm trying to like, yeah, they're retroing the report. I, for some reason, they're reporting now. That was in November. Yeah, they reported uh, very recently, but you know, we'll get into Action, that later. Yeah. So, them and a friend basically were out near this shack. The shack is never disclosed as to like where or why they just went into a shack. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this shack is a very interesting, interesting location. But they basically saw an object and. And they, uh, they were outside in this field or in this forest, and they saw, like, a bright light and this, like, object, and it just kind of hovered there for a minute, and then they ran into the shack out of fear, because they didn't know what it was. Right. It was just fear of the unknown. They were trying to escape and survive and all that. And while they were inside the shack, they could see a light from the object coming through the shack, and they're not sure how long it lasted, but then it just, all the light just disappeared. Yeah. Was that kind of what happened? Nothing else. And, that, and then the, a year later, 
it was basically four. So originally it was two of them, and then a year later, in 1972, there was four of them. And they were sleeping. Uh, they were spending the night in this mystery shack. They're back in the shack. Back in the shack. Psychedelic shack. That's where it's at. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, that's what it sounds like. Um, they started to, uh, let's see. Might explain why they saw that. Yeah, they. so there's like an upper, so I guess the shack had two, two levels to it. And they were in the upper level where all their sleeping bags were set up. And they saw like a bright light coming through the window, much like how it was the year before, 1971. And so then they they went upstairs. They were upstairs, and then all of a sudden they heard something entering the shack, and it, they described it as the sound as like throwing furniture around and making like a huge racket. And then all of a sudden, whatever was downstairs was trying to get through to the top floor where the boys were. And but there was somebody already who set up. One of these boys set up their sleeping bags on top of the this trap door. kind of that's how the shack was set up, I guess. And it was like for five minutes of this whatever this was trying to get into the get into this top floor and. But I just, they never say exactly what it was because they didn't see it. They just kind of like, there was something there trying to get them. We don't know what it was. Cool. All right, that ends another exciting episode of Alien Pro Podcast. Yeah. You can catch us on Facebook at the Alien Pro Podcast. I'd like to thank Brandon for coming in. Thank you, guys. Talking about the aquatic apes and the body found. Um, you can also catch us on Twitter, Alien Probe Podcast at Alien Probe Pod. Email comments or suggestions at Alien Probe Podcast at gmail.com. We welcome any and all comments and suggestions. Thank you.